ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and everything in between, welcome to the Kevin Clifton Show. And thanks once again uh, for everyone that's been listening, everyone that's been subscribing, leaving comments and leaving ratings. Um, I always say at the beginning of them nowadays, because again, it's something to do with the algorithms. If you leave comments and if you leave a rating, preferably a five-star rating and subscribe, it apparently helps to get the podcast out there um, more and more. More people will see it because the algorithms will throw it in front of people's faces. So if you feel like throwing my face in front of other people's faces um, <laughs> for whatever reason, yeah, help us out by doing that. But um, for everyone who's already doing that, thank you. And for everyone who's listening, um, thank you very much. Now, this is a really exciting time. Um, as you know, we talk about the theatre and, and stage stuff quite a lot on, on this podcast. And we talk about performance and the performing arts. And on the day that this podcast goes out on Monday, theatres are reopening. We've finally got to that point where theatres are, are reopening, shows are going back on. There'll be some sort of socially distant audience situations, I think. Um, but we will be able to go and see things once again. And I just can't wait for it. So I thought, who better to bring on the podcast than the news editor of the stage newspaper, um, who basically is in charge of knowing everything there is to know about stage and theatres and stuff. Mr. Matt Hemley. How you doing, Matt? Do you prefer Matt or Matthew? Matt, definitely. Matt, yeah. yeah. I'm doing well, thank you, Kevin. Thanks for asking me on it. Like you say, it's a really exciting time. So how nice to be able to talk about positive things for a change. Yeah, finally. I've, yeah, exactly. I feel like for the last year, we've just only been talking about all these sort of negative effects of, of everything and how everyone's struggling and... and sort of performers um, struggle for, with their own like identity, you know, like what we've been talking a lot about, what, what do we do when, when, when we're not performing? Like who even am I when I'm not being actor or dancer or, or whatever the thing is? And we've been having a load of those conversations, but you know, it feels hopeful at the moment and um, it feels very exciting. I was just looking at um, a few like little articles here and there about, you know, shows coming back and I was just thinking, if I can, I feel like I'm going to go and see a show every night. <laughs> like I just want to be back amongst it all. Yeah. Um, I'm the same. I, I'm, yeah. I'm booked in. So tonight I'm going to see The Mousetrap, which is the first West End production that will be reopening. Oh, um, amazing, yeah. It's kind of staggered over the week. There's going to be some openings kind of over this whole week. But the West, the first West End is, is The Mousetrap. Um, yeah. Let's see, six the musical on Friday night, and you know, and then things just start to pick up, and it's so exciting because, like you were saying, like I feel it too. Like as a as a journalist who writes about theatre, I feel like it, it's a part of my identity, and I've been at the stage for fourteen years, and so like when everything shuts down, it's like you lose a little part of yourself, and and the toll on the mental health and things like that for everybody who've been working in it has been so dramatic and desperate. Mm. So just lovely to have something nice to to talk about and think about. Yeah, yeah, that's true, actually, because it's not just the performers themselves. It's, it's everyone else involved in the whole theatre industry, like people working behind the scenes, people writing about it, people, yeah, you know, re reviewing shows, things like that. It's like everyone's, it's their life and their identity. It's, like, it's a part of what they do that's been taken away. And it's such a struggle for everyone just not being able to do that thing. But our thing is coming back. <laughs> like our thing is coming back. Um, so tell me about your role at the stage and um and and you know what what you do and yeah tell me about the stage because it's been the stage has been around for a long long time hasn't it yeah the stage has been around since 1880 and it's 1880 yeah it's insane <laughs> <laughs> and you know like nothing's ever shut it down like you know it's amazing like the world wars and everything that's been through it's continued and i'm happy to say that despite the the kind of very difficult time of the past 14 months, whatever it is we're, we're in now, like, you know, it continues. And, there, you know, there has been times when it's been, you know, not only the industry that's been suffered, we, as an industry, as a newspaper, we've had to think about our future too. We had redundancies and we lost members of our team, which was, you know, really, really sad. So, like, you know, it's been, it's been pretty bleak. But like I think I said, I've been there 14 years and gradually worked my way up. So I started as a reporter covering TV and radio and they don't do TV and radio anymore. They, it's purely theatre. Um, and now I'm news editor, so I look after all the news output, um, both in print, because there's a printed edition every Thursday, and online, which is kind of where we get most of our traffic, obviously. That's mm -hmm. the way of everything now in the, in the news trade. It's, mm -hmm. it's just the best job in the world, because I trained it. I went to drama school, so mm -hmm. 
I always knew when I retrained as a journalist, I wanted to do something in the arts. So I had my eye on the stage for so long. I kept writing letters and be like, please, is there any openings? Are there any jobs? And then eventually I got a job. And I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure that I'm never going to let it go because it's the best job in the world. <laughs> that's so cool. That's so cool that you're like, like you were very definite about that's where you had your eye like, like for so long. Yeah. <laughs> writing letters just begging them to work there <laughs> and then I ended up swapping so someone came and joined the newspaper that I was working on before and I was like well if she's coming here can I go there so we just swapped <laughs> perfect that's awesome yeah it's great um so what does like a normal um week look like for you working at the stage in first of all when theatre's happening as normal and then how has it sort of been over the last year what's the like main differences well, actually, it's really interesting because the, the question that I've, I've got since March last year and everything shut down in theatre world, um, mainly from friends and family who don't really know the industry, is they're like, what can you be writing about? You know, everything's closed. And actually, we've not been busier in terms of industry news because so much has been going on. None of it good news, obviously. Like, you know, we're talking about the amount of people losing, we're losing in the industry, all the freelancers that have lost, uh, lost their jobs, you know, all the companies that were threatened with closure, the theatres remaining closed, then opening and then closing again. It's been such a roller coaster year that it's literally never been busier. Um, and so I find it quite interesting. I can't actually remember what it was like before March last year. Yeah. What we wrote about, I just can't remember that. <laughs> everything now is like tagged with coronavirus or something and it's only in the last couple of months I'd say that we've started to get some other news that isn't about the pandemic mm. um, so my day is basically consists of two deadlines there's a deadline in the morning a deadline in the afternoon and in those deadlines two batches of news goes up online mm. um, and then on Tuesday we do the print issue so that so yesterday uh, well not yesterday but yeah, yeah. Last, Tuesday, <laughs> last Tuesday we went to, to print for mm. the issue that comes out on Thursday um, so there's a little gap in between but um yeah, and it's just pretty much writing about anything and everything. So it can be new openings or it can be, um, like I say, job losses or job cuts or job cre people being created, new positions in the industry. It's anything to do with the sector, whether that's actors, writers, directors, um, behind the scenes. So it covers the whole spectrum of the industry, which is why I love it so much. It's so varied. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm subscribed to it. I get it on my iPad. So, oh, yeah. that's <laughs> I like it. <laughs> um, that makes me happy because it was always nice when you hear that people read read the stage. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, so then, from your perspective, you've obviously sort of uh, you know you're in charge of all the, all the news and you know everything that's going on. Like, what uh, from your perspective has been the main challenges that uh, the theatre industry has gone through in the last year? I think it's just survival. I mean, it just comes down to that. Literally on March the 16th last year, everyone was told to go home, including us. Like we were said, you know, take your laptops, mm. go home, and hopefully we'll be back in the office before we know it. And then obviously, as we now know, what happened is we're still at home. We're still working from home and theatres still haven't opened. And I really do think for the industry, it's just been about survival from the initial closures and thinking what's going to happen to getting the culture recovery fund announcement later in the year and then working out what that meant for them in terms of how they use the money and how they use that to keep going and and it's just been a continuous journey of making sure that we are still here to tell the stories that people want to see and hear when it was possible to reopen and it, it has been pretty brutal I can't lie like you know back in last year when you know there was so much uncertainty. And as I think I said, there, there were times when you could reopen briefly and then you were shut down again. And for the industry, that was absolutely devastating because they can't afford the stop-start approach. Yeah. And I remember going to the National Theatre for its press night of a, of a play called um, Death of England. And it was also its last night and because they'd found out the next day they couldn't reopen. So the National Theatre director came on stage and said, you know, welcome back, everyone. It's great to have you here. Sadly, we're closing again tomorrow. So mm. all that work, all that effort um, overnight was, was stopped. But what I would say is what's been amazing about this sector is how resilient it's been and also how quickly people learned to adapt. So everything moved online and there were so many offerings. That I think people just wanted to make sure that they could give something to audiences. And yeah. so they found ways to do it. And that's why the theatre industry is so brilliant because it's creative and innovative. Yeah, yeah, yeah um there's a, a few points in there the the um the amounts of money like the packages that 
came out um, to try and sort of support the theatre. Um, do you think they've been enough? Do you think they've um, helped in, in in a great way, or or do you think because you you know like I, I sort of I, I look at Twitter and and but Twitter's a minefield, isn't it? Of of people going, yes, we've got a package, or this is disgraceful, or like like what's your position on sort of the you know the packages that that came out? Yeah, I would say first of all, I'd say it was probably a bit too slow to come. Um, yeah. So the, the worry and, and the anxiety that the industry had to suffer and endure before any kind of announcement came. Yeah. I think it was like, you know, probably like uh, maybe five, six months after everything had happened that we mm. knew what we were going to get. And I think that was a massive cause of concern for so many businesses and people. Um, in terms of the packages that have been announced, <clears throat> it's it's been very much aimed at buildings and institutions. And I think that's one of the criticisms. So. 70% of the workforce in theatre is freelance, yeah. but they haven't seen any of this money, really. It's kind of gone to theatres to make sure there are theatres there to reopen, which obviously you could argue is, you know, we need those to happen so that there is places for people to go and get work when, they, when we can. Um, but, you know, these freelancers, if they haven't got any access to government support schemes, they're living off their own resources or in reserves. And then when that dries up, it's devastating. So many people have, have, have to leave the industry or um, find other jobs. And, you know, and that's, there's nothing wrong with finding other jobs. Like the, that's been amazing to see, too, that the fact that they can all turn their hands to, like, supermarket jobs and things like that to keep them going. Mm. But the risk is we lose all these talents. And, and once you lose them, they're not, they won't come back. It's very hard to rebuild. Yeah. Um, so I think that's been the biggest complaint, that it's gone to the buildings rather than to the, to the creatives and the people in it. Yeah. It also felt to me a bit like uh, that time last year where if we if we weren't really shouting and kicking and screaming about it, it almost wouldn't have happened that there'd have been any package at all. Because it just felt that way. And, and then you hear comments. You never know what's true and what isn't. You hear certain comments that, certain, you know, MPs or the prime minister might have said at, at, at some point and you you know that they don't seem to have the highest opinion of us that work in that work in this sector um, and it just felt like we're gonna have to like it, it's getting to the point where we're gonna have to take to the streets here <laughs> because otherwise it's not gonna happen yeah totally like I remember that it, was, it was a joke at the time but I remember my mum my mum my lives in Watford and it's not far from Oliver Dowd in the culture secretary's house and I remember my mum making a joke saying I'll go around there and, and, and sort it out and I made a joke on Twitter and obviously then my mum became this kind of pin-up for like <laughs> getting, getting Oliver Dowd to act and uh but like you know it, it, it was very it was very grim for a time and also I think, like you say, we always feel like, and I think we always do, have to fight for the arts so hard because it's kind of always seen as like a tag on or something that's not taken seriously. And even now, you're looking at like we're looking at cuts to um, education funding. You know, despite the fact we're just emerging from one of the worst periods in our history, they're now talking about cutting this higher education funding for the arts. And it's like it's such a battle all the time to get people who aren't involved in it to appreciate how much it brings to the economy, which is huge, yeah. and what it does to society and what it offers people, and not just in terms of entertainment, but in community and outreach work and mm. how it helps people's mental health. You know, it's so important. Mm. Um, and it's so frust frustrating to have to keep banging that drum and tell people that this is why it matters, you know. And I, I do think it took a while for them to kind of get to, to grips with that. I do understand that they had, you know, a huge task on their hand, yeah. uh, hands, hands, and that's, you know, obviously no one's going to criticise them for that. They were trying to navigate this whole pandemic, which was new to everybody. Mm. But I think the arts is always having to fight harder, you know, than than perhaps other industries. Mm. I I think it's. I've been talking a lot on this podcast, and I could go on for hours about this. I, I won't, but like, um, I I actually think the arts is is way more important than most people give it credit for like, like obviously the like, like you said there, there's like the financial benefits to the economy there's um yeah being entertained there's mental health like yeah outreach programs there's all of that but I, for me like and, and i'll ask you what what do you think like what is the whole thing for you like because i think since time began it like people have been telling each other stories to try to basically explore what it means that this is getting a bit deep but like <laughs> what it means to be 
human like who are we and what are we do it what are we all doing here and what is right and wrong and what is good and evil and you know what is the right way to behave what is the right way to live and 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 anytime there's any piece of art you know whether it's a book or a, a tv series or a piece of theater like we're sort of sharing in this experience of being led by a protagonist um and and putting ourselves in their shoes and and just thinking okay who am I in this situation? What, how would I behave in this situation? What feels like the right what, thing to do in that, in that situation? How does this relate to me? And it's this constant exploration of like, what is right and what's wrong and, and, and who we are as people. And without that, like how, what could be much more important than that? That's how I see it to me. I like I really champion it. I, I just think there's, it, I wish people would get out of the mentality of, it's it's a it's just a fun thing to do like it's it's just a bit of entertainment and it's playing around so therefore it's the last thing on the list i'm like w without it like i don't know what we are <laughs> do you know what i mean like without that like how do you see the arts theater like what what is it to you well i completely agree that you know obviously it's a place first of all to come together and share this experience mm. which is you know which that's why live entertainment is so important as much as it's been great to to have the online offerings over this 12 month period, nothing compares to sitting in an auditorium with other people and, and experiencing that all together, like laughing together and crying together. You know, that's like, it's kind of unrivaled for me when mm. I go and see like a show like that and the lights first go down and you're all anticipating what's a stage and what you're about to see. That's like an experience like no other, like as far as I'm concerned, which is why this job never gets boring because I can go to the theater like three or four times a week or whatever and it's still the most exciting thing in the world because every experience is different. Everything you see is going to be different. And like you say, I think it's a way to address issues, you know, like moral issues and things in society that might be a bit more uncomfortable to talk about generally, but you can go and see something thrown at you on stage and um, it challenges you and it makes you think about things. Mm. Um, and that's why it's so important. I, I'm, I'm sure there'll be many, many things that come out of this like last year, which we start to see represented on stage and hopefully not too much because you know it's been a, a painful experience but yeah. there is but then also you know there is also an element of just wanting to go and be free and like mm. switch off and see something like 42nd street and it's amazing dancing that's not to take away from any of the talent on stage because 42nd street was one of the best things i saw like you know in, in the west end it's just yeah. amazing. but it's sometimes it can just be pure entertainment to take you yeah. away from everything that you've been experiencing in life and we all need that we all need to to switch off and just take ourselves away from the hardships because life, you know, we know can be really difficult, none more so than the last 12 months. So <laughs> that's why I'm so excited about theatre coming back because we'll be entertained again. And um, But, you know, I have, my, I have the utmost respect for anybody who works in it and especially in musical theatre because I think they're the people that get the hardest deal. Like they are seen as kind of frivolous and a bit like, mm. oh, look, look at what they do. It's like fun. It's all singing and dancing. But they, they're acting and the energy, everything that goes into it. Mm. that's skill and that's talent and I, and I take my hat off to anybody who can do that eight shows a week I think it's incredible <laughs> <laughs> and um, you mentioned all these sort of online stuff that, that's one of the things that we've seen come out of this like, like our sector has been so creative in how to deal with it it's, like, it's been like okay we can't do this what what can we do um, how do you feel about all the online stuff that's been created like have you been enjoying what, what people have been coming up with yeah, I think like everybody, like it's it's been it's been a little bit difficult because everything has been online. So you know you're doing your, your work meetings online, and you yeah. know so when you then go to watch a show online, it can be maybe a little bit of an onslaught. You like again, you're sitting and looking at a screen, and so for me personally, like I found escape in, in other ways, like going for a walk or listening to music and mm. trying to get away from the screen. That said, like I've seen some amazing things. Like I remember. I saw Sunset Boulevard from Curve in Leicester mm -hmm. um, and it was, it was recorded, but what they did was absolutely amazing because they used the whole auditorium space oh. to recreate the world of Hollywood for, the, for Norma Desmond's like world. So they would be in the, like the dress circle or they'd be on stage or they'd be behind the scenes. And all of this theater became the world of Sunset Boulevard. And it was so imaginative and so clever. And mm -hmm. I happen to love Sunset Boulevard anyway. So for me, that was a real highlight, like, you know, watching a show I love and seeing it done so well, but not, it wasn't theatre, it was more like 
a filmed musical, but in a theatre. It was a real hybrid. Yeah. I, I actually think that's what we're going to see more of as well. I think we're going to see a real mix when things start to happen of, of use of technology and the live side by side. Mm. That would be really interesting. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Like, how, how do you think... Do you think it's going to have like a, a real big change going forward in, in terms of how we see theatre? Like, are, are, we, are we getting used to this now? Like, like all, all this sort of technology and online type stuff as well? Um, or, or do you think it was just for a time, you know, and then, and then we go back to normal theatre? Um, I, I think it would change things. I think, like we've already seen, for example, with Bristol Old Vic, when it's reopening with Touching the Void, which was in the West End as well, but based on the, the book about the climbers, and it was an amazing production. But what they're going to do is a live performance and a streaming performance. So if you can't get to the theatre, you'll be able to watch it. Um, from yeah. your home and I think that's probably what we're going to start seeing more of not only because like really it makes sense for theatres that you can actually expand your reach like around the world I think what producers have realised if they were getting people from so many other countries tuning in to watch their shows um, through these digital productions mm. um, so I think that would be something that stays um, but at the end of the day and it's just a personal view and I'm sure it's shared by many I don't think anything rivals like I said the experience of sitting in the theatre with other people and actually enjoying that moment because like nothing nothing really compares to being in the space and seeing it live and, and watching those performers do it and and also you feed off each other you know like I think audience, the audience give to the, the actors and the actors give back to the audience and you need that interaction mm -hmm. to um yeah to bring it to life almost yeah I, I agree that's why I, that's why I love theatre so much like the, the shared experience of it and because I always ask when I'm talking to actors like I'm always interested in that sort of question of you know when you're performing are you solely just in this moment and you're completely unaware of audience or is there a part of you that is you know you're performing this scene for the audience yeah um, I'm, I'm always interested in, in, in people's answer to that and because uh, I always just think in, in terms of theatre and I love theatre uh, so much like I I can't honestly say I've, that I'm ever on stage unaware of the audience, like, like, because it's that part of it that I love. There's a different energy in, in the room, in, in the space when there's an audience there and in, yeah. in a certain silence or in a, in a certain moment, like there's just, I can't explain it, but you, there's this exchange of energy going on all the time, which is yeah. incredible to experience on both yeah, sides. I, think. I totally agree. And I think, I can't remember what the actual story is, but there was a, when the National did their reduced seats, um, like the first couple of rows for like 10, 15 pounds. Yeah. I remember them saying at one point that the artistic director who introduced that was because he wanted it to be filled with people who were so keen to be there that mm. they kind of, that it fed into the audience. Like that, so, so that, you know, sorry, the actors, so that they saw in this first couple of rows, these really kind of keen people who were like just itching yeah. to see something live. And, and I think also like every night must be different. I mean, you know, as a performer, but like you could do something one night and then the next night gets a reaction where you didn't get one before and that gives you something else to pay off. So everything yeah. changes with the live audience. And I think that's what's so exciting. I know it's like a cliche, but with live theatre and live performance, anything can happen. I mean, yeah. from lights stopping working or the music <laughs> suddenly stopping, you know, and you just have to deal with it. You can't just stop. I mean, you can, you can just stop and bring the curtain down. But most of the time, the professionalism of the, the actors and the crew will be that they'll find a way to carry on and that's what I think that's that's what's so exciting about the live element too yeah yeah I love it so I want to take you back then because you, you've, you've always you said you've always been like you've always loved the theatre and you, you trained in it and stuff and then wanted to work at the stage um what started that for you what what got you into theatre so easy to answer that one um, I probably, I, I say it all the time, but when I was really, when I was about 11 years old, I was taken to the London Palladium to see Jason Donovan in Joseph. Okay. Yeah, I saw that too, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, it, it lit this spark in me. Like, I remember, I was so excited about seeing this show, which I, first of all, I loved the show, but also yeah. Jason Donovan at the time was this kind of huge, I mean, no, I mean, he still is, don't get me wrong, Jason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, Like at that time, he was like the most famous person you could think of, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, totally. Like, and, <laughs> and, and I, I went to the stage door with my programme because I was yeah. so excited. And I remember he was like reaching out and taking different people's programmes. I just saw this hand come towards mine. And 
he signed my program and we were on a coach trip with my local, with my swimming club at the time. And we all got back on the coach and I was, I think I was shaking the whole way home. And I had that program pinned <laughs> by my bed for like so many years. Yeah. And um, Lindsay Hately was in it too. And what's amazing is they've just announced that Lindsay Hately is going to go back into the revival yeah. production. Yeah. Um, 30 years later, she's going to be doing some shows when Alexandra Burke isn't on as the narrator. Uh-huh. Yeah, but that was really, that was, that was definitely it. I, that's what that happened. It unleashed a beast in me because then musical theatre was like, that's all I wanted to like go and see. And every year for my birthday, like I would say, my mum and dad would say, what do you want for your birthday? And I'm like, tickets to a show, please. So like my sister would hate it because she wasn't really into it. Right. You'd have to come with us, obviously, because she was like still a kid, really. So we'd all go off to London for my, my birthday to see a show. And it's like, I just remember those experiences so much. And I, I, I never take it for granted because I know it's like a huge privilege like to be taken to the theatre because it's expensive. And for a lot of people, it can be quite out of reach. And I, I was just fortunate that I had a family who would would do it because they recognise that it's what I wanted to do. And yeah. so, yeah, that was it. That was the moment. Yeah, that's awesome. Did you um, did you listen to the soundtrack like nonstop as well after that? Oh, that God, soundtrack yeah. became like the so soundtrack. I still know it word for word. I still think the colours from Joseph Coates should be like an initiation test for anybody who wants to. <laughs> says they like musical theatre. It's like, well, go on then, list the coat, list the colours in order. But when I talk about my swimming club just now, this is how sad it was. Like, I used to after swimming, I used to make the boys. This sounds really awful. Like the boys in the change room. I'd have we'd reenact it in the showers, and I was always the narrator. <laughs> I, I got the biggest like I was, I'm the narrator, and you can be all like the brothers and stuff. And we'd recreate Joseph in the swimming pool showers. It was it's that sounds really weird, but <laughs> we, we were young, we were young and foolish, and it was good fun. And, yeah, yeah. You know, I still love that music. I, I've got the mega mix for Joseph on my um, on my playlist, and when I go to the gym. It's so sad, but it keeps me going. It's like all this pumping music and in the gym itself. And then I can just hear my like Joseph Megamix underneath it. Like, <laughs> dude, I, I love it. Yeah. I, love it. Um, I used to do, um, you know, like sort of directing everybody, like, like we let, let's do this play. I used to do the same thing um, once I'd seen um, Strictly Ballroom, the movie. And, 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 and I used to like do, do that. I was like, because, and I was convinced, I was like, this is going to be a show one day. This is going to be on stage one day, oh. and, um, and and I used to like get up and get all my mates at the time like right, you're this person, you're this person, and you're that, and you have to wear that jacket. And but I'm Scott <laughs> Hastings, and and we used to like direct everyone about oh, like wow. strictly ballroom. And um, you were right because it is it is coming to the stage. It has been on yeah. in Broadway, and it is coming here. So you were right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Stay true to your like convictions i remember when i was when i was a kid i wrote a, a play I, I say a play it was loose it wasn't you couldn't even call it a play but it used the music of queen so right. i i am i maintain that i was ahead of we will rock you and <laughs> yeah. i had the idea first so <laughs> and, out, and if you're listening it was me yeah <laughs> i did this years ago yeah. <laughs> um so i was also just gonna ask you just um during the lockdown, during the pandemic, we've also seen um, a lot of stuff, a lot of voices have suddenly been heard. We've seen the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, really kick into gear, obviously from events in America, but obviously it had been building for a long time. Um, and what are your thoughts on, because I feel like when I see news coming out of, of casts for, for shows now, I feel like our industry hopefully, this is how I feel when I see it, is doing a good job of listening and, and trying its best to, to change things and, and have more inclusivity and give, you know, give more opportunities to people that you know, unfairly perhaps wouldn't have got them before. Um, yeah. yeah, how do you think we're doing on, on that front? I definitely think the conversation has come to the fore like, and, I, and, and I think we still have a long way to go. And yeah. Especially because you know, for a while, for a long time, like performers of color were only cast in kind of shows where it was about performers of color or like you know yeah. you could you could do Motown the musical and or, or something and or like dream girls and you, you knew that there might be roles for performers of color but it the, the, what the kind of like blind color blind casting wasn't really going far enough like as in like you could you know anyone can play anything and you don't have to just cast a type or whatever so i think we're getting better but i still see like you know there are shows where it's predominantly white casts and you know and I, and it's not until you see the kind of programs presented in front of you know you're flicking through them and you kind of go oh where's 
And, yeah. I, and I think that partly becomes because we're in it and we're aware of the issues too, That because I'm writing about it and like I'm aware that it's an issue, so I, I'm looking for it. But yeah. maybe general audiences don't notice it as much, but I definitely think the sector has become aware. And I think it's important because, you know, what you see represented on stage can make your, your change your life. And if you don't see yourself represented on stage and you don't think it's a career for you and you don't think it's something viable for you, and it's the same for people with disabilities and... Um, you know, in other areas of misrepresent, uh, misunder, mis, I can't say it, underrepresented groups, not misrepresented, underrepresented. You know, I think it's it's a challenge for the sector, and I think we're still learning, we're still growing, but hopefully going in the right direction. But mm. Mm. and that is the thing, actually. Like you use the word being aware of it. Like I'm, I'm more aware of it now than I was 18 months ago. Um, you know, we, we, we're all we all want to try our best, but like, I, I feel like everything that's happened over the last 18 months, every time I see a, a sort of cast come out, it's like, I'm immediately looking at that. I'm, a, I'm aware of, of that. And, and I yeah. think that, that's got to be a good thing. Yeah, and I think producers just need to have an awareness, you know, like if you, if you sit there and you finalize a cast and it's all white, then clearly something's gone wrong. Mm. And I don't really, feel, I kind of feel like there's no excuse for it. Really, you, you know, I think it just it just needs everybody on that creative team to have to be thinking about casting and diversity and, you know, making sure it's representative, because if you're not thinking about it, and you're not making those choices then nothing will change. So mm. and um, going going forward, um, how do you think the situation is going to be with because I read uh, I think it was today this morning, I read actually um, an article in the stage about the, the idea of like celebrity casting mm. um, in, in shows. Like, how do you feel uh, about that? Cause like, there's some people like, oh, it's not fair. Like if they're, they're just getting it because they're a name from this thing, um, you know, and it should be to people that have trained more or, you know, gone through this system. And then there's the other side of it, which says, yeah. So how do you feel about um, celebrity casting in that some people will say, they've just they've got it because they've got this many instagram followers or that they're a name from this tv thing and it should have gone to someone who's gone through this system and trained more than them that would be better at the job um but then there's also the argument on the other side that like a a celebrity might put bums on seats and therefore there's more money to go around like like yeah how do you feel about all that and do you think it's going to go any particular way in in terms of theatres, new shows coming out since the pandemic, you know, mm. trying to get bombs on seats and stuff. I think it's, I think the, the question about what we might see as we start to emerge from this is quite interesting because I do think, especially as we're trying to get, encourage audiences back into theatres after a period when they haven't been going and there might be some kind of confidence issues there about returning mm. um, and the safety elements, which we, we know is, you know, is great because everything's been put in place, but they might take a bit more reassurance. And I think Producers possibly will be looking at some well-known titles so that that encourages people like, and also some some names to get people through the doors. And, but I don't actually think it's, I think it's always kind of been mm. like this to some extent. I don't have a problem with um, celebrity casting really, provided they can do the job. <laughs> like, exactly. And, you know, yeah. and so many like, and so many, what I think is slightly unfair on the celebrities who, who maybe get cast is like, often they are trained and they've found their route to fame through another way because, you know, some of them have realised that the, the only way for them to get into a show is to do the kind of TV route and then come back to what they absolutely love, mm. which is theatre. But then just because they've got a name behind them, people are like, oh, it should have gone to someone else. But, you know, these people are are trained as much as anybody else. They've just done a different route. Um, I mean, I have seen some questionable, like, performances with, with <laughs> some talent. Um, and that's then you start to think, well, maybe that is just to get, you know, literally people through the door who like them from whatever show it was. Uh, but I do think, like you were saying, I think it is. it can be about bums on seats and selling tickets. And, you know, that is the reality of, especially the commercial West End, it's, it's the reality that producers have to make money, they have to sell tickets. And sometimes that can be done by getting a well-known name into it. And like I say, if, you know, some of them have been absolutely brilliant. Like, I don't, you know, I just think I've seen a number of subject castings and they're, they're excellent. Like, you know, mm -hmm. I, I, I would also say that producers on the whole know what they're doing, hopefully. And when they cast these people, they've done it 
because they know they can deliver and they hopefully they've yeah. gone through the audition process too and they've proved i was just on a um i mean completely aside but i was just at the launch for just before i was sp- speaking to you i was at the launch for english national opera's latest season and they've just announced that les dennis is going to make his opera debut in mm. their first production back and i asked the question well how much is this about getting people through the door and their answer was well actually it's not he was put through the same rigorous audition process as anybody else. He proved that he could do it and he was cast on his ability to do the job. You know, that's Les Dennis in, in an opera production. So who would have thought? But I'm mm. sure that I'll have a double whammy of people being like, oh, Les Dennis, I know him from X, Y, and Z. I'm going to go and see that show. Yeah, result, yeah. result for ENO. But also, you know, he, he will deliver. I'm sure I believe them when I say he'll deliver the goods. Mm. Mm. It's, a, it's, a, it's a difficult one. I do understand where the frustrations come from for like mm. people in the sector who have like grafted and worked years and years and they're still like, you know, they're not given the opportunities. I do understand that completely. Yeah. It terrifies me whenever, whenever I'm in a show that like that that's going to be the reaction that, that people are going to, not that I'm a celebrity, but like I've been on Strictly Come Dancing. So like yeah. we're going to, that people will say, oh, he's only got the job because it was on Strictly Come Dancing and it was almost like, um, I remember talking to um, some of my castmates when we were doing Rock of Ages uh, um, and I said, um, said it's almost more important to me at the moment that like you guys in, in the rest of the cast think that I'm good in this role because like I, w- I would be mortified if, if that was the opinion of me, like, oh, he's, he's crap, but he's in it because he's on Strictly Come Dancing. Like I'd be mortified. So, so I was... I was almost like I was so anal in um, like protecting my voice and all of that. I would be on like voice rest every single night after a show. And I'd be like, you know, making sure I went to bed at this time because I was like, all it takes is for me to go down once, like from losing my voice and Twitter will start up. Yeah. You know, like, oh, here we go. That this yeah. is the problem with, you know, putting him in because like, because they don't know that I've been having singing lessons and acting lessons for years. And I've, and I've gone through the same auditions. It's like, yeah. like you said, Les Dennis went through the same auditions. Like people don't know that. They'll just assume, oh, he's been put straight in because he's on Strictly. Uh, yeah. And I, so I was terrified throughout the whole process of like oh. one person turning around and saying, uh, here we go, you know. And that's a horrible way to have to live your life, isn't it? Like, that anxiety <laughs> yeah. hanging over you. And, um, and I completely sympathise with that. And it's the same with, like, I was speaking to Matt Terry, who, who won the X Factor back in 2016 or whatever it was, and he's, you know, trying to make a name for himself now in musical theatre. And I'm pretty sure that, that hangs over him all the time. It's kind of like he went, he trained initially and then found the X Factor route and went into that yeah. because it was an opportunity at the time that he didn't want to turn down. Yeah, but now he's known as Matt Terry from the X Factor. Yes, not <laughs> yeah. not like it, no one considers the fact that he actually did train in musical theatre. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, I mean there there is that, but I also I'm also aware of people listening to this now and going, and so like, I feel like I have to say, and obviously I want I want to say at the same time I do understand that the fact that I was on Strictly Come Dancing does at least get me a foot in the door. Do you know what I mean? Like at least get people to see me. So I'm I'm sort of grateful for that yeah. um, and we're, we're talking about um putting bums on seats do you think people will flock back to the theater do you think people are going to be nervous of it like i'm i personally am not nervous of it i want to get straight in there um but what do you think the general perception is going to be well by all accounts ticket sales have been really strong like you oh, know good. if you listen to like nika burns who owns six west end theaters through her company nymax she's saying that the sales are so strong for shows like Sits and everybody's talking about Jamie. Yeah. I think it comes back down to the fact, like we were talking about at the beginning, is like we're ready now to be entertained. We've had 18 months or whatever it would be of really having no live entertainment at all. Like, you know, just, and we're ready. I, I, I am, you are. And yeah. I, think, I think people who love theatre are to, to see that again. And I, I'm sure there will be people who, are, who, have, who have worries, have concerns. Um, but that's why Society of London Theatre has kind of rolled out this See It Safely campaign, which is all about kind of saying you've got it's got this mark of approval, which means everything in the theatre has gone through the processes of one-way system, mask wearing, hand sanitizers, mm-hmm. um, and better ventilation in the theatres. So everything is being done to make audiences comfortable and reassured, and I just hope that they feel like they can and um, want to come back because we need them without international tourism for however long that's going to be we need everybody around the uk to kind of 
experience live theatre and go and support their local theatres and come to the West End because it's going to be more important than ever, I think. Yeah, yeah. God, I can't wait. I just can't wait. Have you, have you got anything booked? I haven't. I think I, today I'm going to have a look in and, and, and just book quite a few things. <laughs> <laughs> um, so which shows are coming back right now then? And, and what, what shows are we going to see over the next few months? Um, and, you know, what's coming and what have we got to look forward to? And are there any in particular that you are looking forward to yourself? Oh God, I'm so excited about all, I'm so excited. About, like you were saying, I'd go and see anything, to be honest, you know, go and open an envelope on stage and I'll sit and watch you do it. Cause like, I just really, <laughs> I really to be back in the auditorium. Um, there's so many things, as I mentioned, like this week, um, everybody's talking about Jamie returns, the lame is concert comes back, six comes back. Um, and that's just London, you know, and then further afield, all the kind of local theatres are beginning to reopen. You've got places like the Newbury and uh, the Watermill in Newbury is about to do a summer season outdoors. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just so exciting. I'll just say to anybody listening, just check your like local theatres for like what they're planning to do, because you'll probably find that there'll be some kind of activity yeah. um, going on because they are itching to get audiences back through their doors and to have life back in these buildings like, again, because, you know, they've been empty and they're not, designed obviously to be empty and mm. that's heartbreaking and what they want is to see people flocking through them again but mm. you know looking ahead you've got android Webber's cinderella mm. um which you know that's in rehearsals at the moment um frozen the disney musical is about to open in august um dream girls is going on tour around the, the uk and it's, it's just so exciting it finally feels like the confidence is back because i think last year everyone was too scared to make announcements of like when we could possibly see shows happening and now we've got the roadmap and it looks like according to Boris Johnson we're on track um so while that's the case it's just you know so encouraging let's get booking and let's go see stuff and and spread the word because yeah I just can't wait yeah we've seen two kinds of producers haven't we there's been the ones that are like right Boris Johnson said, this is the date when things are going to happen. The next day, let's get out there and, and, and do stuff. Like, let's gung-ho, let's get it all reopened. And there's been some that are cautious. Mm. Uh, so with, um, you know, for example, Strictly Ballroom, we've been moved back. Like, we are originally supposed to be September 2020. Then it was going to be September 21. Now it's going to be September 22. Right. I think they're just erring on the side of caution in case anything goes wrong. Mm in the winter, I guess, in case mm. there's sort of spikes and then more rules come back in and then it, and it, and it just, it, the finance side of things gets very difficult, doesn't it, for, for a big show, like even if there's, even if you have to go to social distancing for yeah. a week. Yeah, or, yeah or, totally. That's what's, I mean, that's why not everyone is able to re- think about reopening. A lot of producers have decided to wait till after June the 21st when hopefully social distancing will be dropped because the viability of running shows like musicals which are so expensive to run and have so many people involved in them it's not possible on 50 percent um capacity mm. and that's probably why as well like some of the early things that we're seeing like this week are smaller casts like six obviously mm. six in the cast um and then a couple of like two-hander type things there's a one-man show called cruise about to open at the duchess theater and i think that's less risky and you know it's more affordable and on 50 percent capacity that's that's doable yeah um, but you know credit to like people like nika burns who i mentioned who owns the six theaters she's a producer too you know she i think i know you've talked about this before but like she's prepared to like operate at a loss yeah. because she recognizes it's more important to get people back into work and to get people back in theater to, to watch them yeah um, I mean, not, not everybody's in that position that they can do that but fair play to her that she is and she's prepared to do it it's really incredible that she's doing yeah. that. Yeah. Um, do you have, apart from um, Joseph, do you have <laughs> like a, a favourite show in the, in the world or a couple or a couple of examples? Like it's just yeah. something that you're like, this just blows me away, this show. Yeah. It won't surprise you, Kevin, to know that one of my favourite musicals in the world is a show called On Your Feet. Oh, about, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> about a little-known singer called Gloria Estefan. Um, <laughs> you may have heard of her. Yeah, so, so you, you've even got it on your Twitter bio that you're like the world's number one Gloria Estefan yeah. fan. <laughs> Do you know what? That causes so many problems in the Estefan fandom world because... <laughs> I've been like, I've been blocked by people for having the audacity to put that on my Twitter feed. Like, how dare he? He's blocked. Um, 
So, yeah, but, you know, I liked to. I, I was, The Guardian did actually do a piece like, on Superfans, and I did make it into The Guardian because I've got this huge, I've, I've shown you the collection before, yes. but like, I know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm a bit weird. I've liked it since I was 11 years old, so like, that show, for me, when it opened, mm. I flew to Broadway to see it. I've, I've never flown to Broadway for any other show, but I was like, I am going, because at the time I thought, there's no way this is coming to the UK, she hasn't got a big enough fan base, and I, I'm saying that as the hardest diehard yeah. fan in the world, but um, so I flew the way to Broadway, saw it twice, and then got back. And then someone said, "Oh, by the way, they're bringing on your feet to the UK." I was like, "Oh, could have saved all that money." But, um, <laughs> so I love "On Your Feet," and I love my other favorite is "Evita." I think "Evita" is probably one of my all-time favorite musicals in the world. Mm. Um, and I love the film too because I think Madonna's brilliant in it, and I think she's underrated, and I think she deserved she deserved more kind of um, acclaim for that production and for her performance in it because. For me, it was brilliant. But yeah, I love, I love Avita. I've seen so many good productions of it, and musically, I think it's brilliant. Mm. And that, I think you and Stacey have to hang out <laughs> once, once we're all allowed to hang out. <laughs> Did Stacey see on your feet? No, no, we haven't uh, seen it. Is it coming back? No, I don't think so. <laughs> um, One day, like, I, like it was. I'm, I'm, I say this in the nicest possible way, but it was at the Coliseum, the London Coliseum, which is a huge venue. And I'm, and it was, you know, and I, I always make a little joke that like, if social distancing was around now, it probably, if it came back, it'd be full because fifty percent capacity would probably like <laughs> yeah. sell up. But I think it struggled to, and I, the producers will hate me for saying this, but I think it struggled to, to sell every night. And as much, you know, it is, but it is a brilliant. It was a brilliant show. I love yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. But sometimes there's no logic to that, though, is there? Like sometimes, like you can go to something and go, that was an amazing show, but like. It's just for whatever reason, it's like not enough people are going to see it, and, and and sometimes things are a sellout, and you sit there going, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> and I think that's because, of, yeah, I don't know, but I saw I saw on your feet twelve times, <laughs> <laughs> so I think I did my bit to keep that show alive, and and I uh, and I let Gloria know, don't you worry, she knows. Like, <laughs> I, I even gave, I even when I went to um, some of the rehearsals, and there were two jokes in it that were very American. And I remember I was interviewing Gloria for the stage afterwards and she, she said, are there any bits that you don't think are landing? And I was like, well, there's a reference to a car, which I don't think the audience will get. And then you say um, a reference about like what the, the American equivalent of cotton buds was. I can't remember what that was. Right. So I told her to put cotton buds in and I told her to use Ford Cortina instead. And when I went to the show, I couldn't believe it. Both of them were in the show. Like she'd, she'd gone straight back to the team and said, put these references in and then I felt so like worried every time I sat and watched it I was like oh my god if this doesn't get a laugh I'm done for that. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, hey, did you get a writing credit? No and then she on my Twitter feed actually also there's a video of her singing happy birthday to me that I for my 40th yeah and she mentions it in that she's like you know thanks for your help with on your feet but you're not getting a writer's credit so don't <laughs> even think about it. <laughs> oh well. God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> um, and on, as well as favourite shows, um, do you have any particular, apart from Gloria Estefan herself, <laughs> there, or Jason Donovan, <laughs> are there any particular performers or, you know, new performers, rising stars, that, that, that you think that they're just unbelievably talented and you would go and see anything that they're in? Do you have, like, a favourite performer? Do you mean in theatre or just anywhere? Like In theatre, yeah. Oh, I mean, you can answer in anywhere as well, if you want. That's, that's <laughs> I don't know that I do have... I mean, I'm sure there are, like, show... Okay, so, like, there's a performer called Joanna Riding, um, a musical theatre performer called Joanna Riding, and I know that, like, if I see her cast in something, that I'd probably, like, want to go and see it. She was in The Witches of Eastwick in the original cast when that opened. She was in Martin Gare, which I saw when I was at university in Leeds. Mm. And, like, I just know that she'll give a great performance. So, like, anything Joanna Riding's in... I'm kind of, she was in Canada Girls, the musical, that was the last right. kind of big thing she did. And I kind of always know that she will deliver. Um, so like someone like her is like, a, you know, there's, there's stalwarts of the West End, that like people like Anna Jane Casey or Ruthie Henshaw. Mm. And you kind of know, you know that if they're cast, uh, it will be good. Yeah. Or at least they'll be good. Yeah, not, yeah, even yeah. Even yeah. the show is not, you know, that they'll, they'll yeah. do a performance. So um, rising stars, yeah, I don't know, that's hard. I mean, hmm. I don't know, I'd have to come back to you. But yeah, because like, we haven't seen them in the last 18 months, so it's difficult to... No, but, but, you know, shows like everybody's talking about Jamie, they're great places like to find, to see all those kind of 
you know, they young cast, and then you get a flavour of like what what's to come through the West End because yeah. they've launched through that. And so, <clears throat> I, yeah, but I don't think that the, no, I haven't got a rising star that I've got my eye on. Like yeah. for a while, it was Cynthia Revo. I don't know if you remember when Cynthia Revo like did um, I Can't Sing, the X Factor musical, and she was uh -huh. phenomenal in it. And now she's in America, like making films and movies. And seeing that journey is is, is amazing. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. she was in the X Factor musical here in London, and now she's like a Hollywood star. It's quite it's quite amazing. Yeah, awesome. Good for her. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. um, right, and, and just to, to finish up then, why, why don't you tell us uh, where we can find, like how we subscribe to the stage and, and mm. where, where we find it and tell people to do it. Oh, that's very kind. Um, the stage is <laughs> <laughs> just thestage.co.uk. Mm -hmm. um, and you'll find all the subscription packages and how to read it uh, through that. Obviously, we're on Twitter as well at the stage. Um, yeah, that's that's it. We'll just check socials or check the website. Um, you know, we try and keep up to date with all the breaking news. And hopefully, I think the last 12 months have made it even more important to like, uh, or at least I hope that we've become even more important to the industry as a kind of time when we've need when they've needed that kind of news you know more than ever they've needed to kind of stay in touch with the industry and hopefully we've delivered that and it's not you know it's been quite frantic but i think we're we're finally able to take our foot off the gas a little bit and uh yeah. <laughs> well but, and for everyone listening i'm i'm subscribed to it i get it on my ipad and read it on there um everyone else should subscribe to it so go and do that and like matt was saying um we need you more than ever right now to go out and support the theaters and and watch these amazing artists in, in, in all sides of the, of the performing arts sector because um, it's the best thing in the world. Um, also, where can we find you on Instagram and Twitter? Oh, forget Instagram. I barely use it. But... Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just Twitter is just Matt Hemley, at, at Matt Hemley. Yeah. At Matt Hemley. Yeah. Okay. It's not, it's not very exciting, Kevin. You'll testify to that. It's like, follow Kevin instead. It's much more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, Matt, thank you for coming on the show. I've really enjoyed it. And um, I'll continue to uh, enjoy the stage. Thank you.